Do you know, it's that time of year, isn't it, where after the indulgence of Christmas, that a lot of you will be looking at various diets in the hope of losing some weight and to get healthier and to get fitter. And I'm wondering if you've ever looked at fasting. Now, I'm an intermittent faster and it works really well for me. I am lighter, I am fitter and healthier as a result. But I have to admit that the information around fasting is often very confusing and sometimes contradictory. So I thought, you know what? Best speak to an expert about fasting and also how to do it properly. So I reached out to Jin Stevens, who is the author of the New York best-selling book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, also the author of 28 Day Fast Start and Delay, Don't Deny. And Jin is going to guide us through the do's and don'ts with fasting so you too can lose weight and be healthier. Wouldn't that be an amazing start to 2024? And welcome, Jin Stevens. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here today, Paul. I am very excited you are here because it's that time of year, isn't it, when people are thinking, I really need to sort my health out. And fasting pops up, but there's a lot of information about it. It gets confusing. And uh, I intermittent fast. And again, it's been a bit of a minefield. And I thought, you know, I'm going to have to reach out to an expert. Who's the best person? (laughs) Who's got a a New York bestselling book called Fast, Feast and Repeat I could ask to come on to the show? Well, I am here to help you with your questions as well. That's really exciting, Paul. So you're right. There is so much conflicting information out there. And that is why it is so hard for so many people to know what to do, what, what, what should you be consuming while fasting? What's allowed? Mm. What is not, you know, how, what's the best fasting approach, all of that. And, you know, that's why I started writing books in 2016 and podcasting in 2017 and leading groups in 2015. I'm a school teacher and by, wow. by trade, that's what I, you know, I'm trained to do. And I, I love to teach people things. Mm. Well, it, it shows. It really does show. Um, so is that how you, how did you get into this? So you were a school, a school teacher by trade. And then right. what happened for you to become this sort of global, <laughs> you know, expert on fasting that, you know, people can turn to and relate to? What, what happened there? Well, I was a school teacher elementary 28 years before I retired, but I also was a cereal dieter and a yo-yoer. And I basically started you know, being diet focused from an early age. My mother was a dance teacher and I grew up as a dancer. Um, I was better at tap and jazz, not ballet. That was not for me, but you know, we were all very body conscious in the dance studio and my mother was. And so I always was very focused on, you know, we have to keep our bodies a certain way. And I think a lot of girls, men Mm. even too, we can relate to the whole idea of there's a certain way we're supposed to look. So even before I needed to diet, I was like diet focused and you know, when I, when I went off to college, gained the freshman 15, like everybody else, I wasn't overweight, but I, started, well, I got to lose this weight, you know, came back Mm -hmm. calorie counting. That's what everybody was doing. It was the eighties. And so that, that started the cycle, the cycle of yo-yo. And, you know, over the years when you're doing the yo-yo dieting, you lose the weight, you gain back a little bit more than you lost. (laughs) So you're higher than (laughs) you started, lose the weight, right? So that just kept going over and over again. And, you know, after I had kids, it got even harder after I had my two boys and, Basically, I yo-yoed myself up to being obese. I was 210 pounds. And yeah, and and I tried literally everything. You know, I was successful. In the meantime, I got a doctorate in gifted education. I was teaching adults and, you know, an online university and doing lots and lots of things and could not get my weight under control. And finally, finally, you know, I found intermittent fasting along the way. I actually funny story, found it because, of course, I looked at everything. 2009 to 2014, I was aware of it, but the information was you know, not really solid mm. at that time. And so I dabbled in intermittent fasting, which I can explain why that is like the worst thing to do, <laughs> why dabbling in intermittent okay. fasting is so hard. But um, so I, I never I never really made it stick. It wasn't until 2014 when I was desperate that I finally was like, this is the time. And that's the time it finally mm. stuck for me. I started in 2014. 
I've now been through 10 holiday seasons as an intermittent faster. I lost over 80 pounds, and this is the only time in my life I've maintained a weight loss. And since it's been, you know, 10 holiday seasons, I'd say it's it's stuck. <laughs> yeah, amazing, it's, it's, amazing. You know, it's my way of life now, right? It's a lifestyle. And that was, you know, the struggle in 2009 to 2014. Hmm. I didn't understand that it was a lifestyle. Because really, you know, think about every diet we ever did. You did it a little while, then you quit doing it. You stopped doing it for vacation or on the weekend. You would go back to it every Monday, whatever. Well, intermittent fasting is actually, um, you know, you become metabolically flexible when you give your body time to adapt and you have to give your body time for for it to adapt like that. So if you're always just dabbling in it, you never get to the part where it's easy. So that was the big aha moment was understanding that, oh, you can't just dabble in it and go here and there. It really is something you need to teach your body how to do. And when you're metabolically adapted and metabolically flexible, then it is suddenly not something that feels so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so obviously it sounds like quite a journey for you, um, which is it's yeah. led you to where you are today. And um, obviously that's something that people, a lot of people can relate to. So there are obviously questions that people are listening, who are listening to this are thinking, well, but what exactly is intermittent fasting? So let's get the basics right. Let's get, because there's so many okay. myths and weird, you know, ideas about what this is all about. And that's what I would like to clarify with you. So let's get, what is intermittent Perfect. fasting? What is, yeah, let's go. Well, I want to put out there, I did not invent fasting, obviously, right? <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm the teacher sharing all the best information with you that I've been able yeah. to, to pull together from multiple sources. That's what teachers do. A math teacher yeah. didn't create the math. She's sharing the math. So that is what I do. I, I have combed all the resources out there and pulled together what um, what works and also you know, compiled all the research together. So when you hear the word fasting, you might think about, you know, fasted blood work or, you know, like Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, or you think of monks, or you think it sounds miserable. But really, every single person that's alive fasts every day while you're sleeping. Uh, you wake up, yep. you know, you might have to get fasted blood work sometime and you just don't eat till after the blood work, right? Because you, we all have periods of our day when we're not eating, we're fasting. So if you follow intermittent fasting, then you are just extending the period of, of your day when you're fasting. And it's almost like you flip-flop it. You know, the period of time that most people in the, today's world are not eating is limited to just like while they're asleep. <laughs> you know, maybe they might have like eight hours yeah. where they're not eating. With intermittent fasting, you have a longer period of the day where you're fasting and not eating and you just shrink that eating window. Now, that is just one, one type of intermittent fasting. That's the most popular. That's what most people do. You could also call it time-restricted eating. That actually might, I mean, I wish wish that was the name that had stuck because it just seems less mm-hmm. harsh. Fasting sounds yeah. hard. Time-restricted eating sounds cheerful <laughs> <laughs> and you know, easier, right? Because you don't hear the word fasting. Yeah. But of course, you know, you really do have to understand fasting is one state that the body is in. It's the opposite of the fed state. So our bodies are meant to go back and forth between the fasted state and the fed state. We're not supposed to be in the fed state all the time. We're also not supposed to be in the fasted state all the time. So we just intermittently have periods of time when we're fasting and periods of time when we are feasting. Brilliant. Did that help? Yeah, it did. It did. Excellent. Excellent. Um, You know, so intermittent fasting, we do that anyway, because we we sleep mm-hmm. and it's about right. extending the period of time that you would um you know remain unfed um what's right. a, a good amount of time so people listen to what's a good amount of time for someone to uh, increase their you know uh, time when they're not eating that's a great question and that's going to be very individual it depends on mm. many things your metabolic health your goals do you have a lot of excess fat? How long have you had that excess fat? How long have you met, been metabolically unhealthy? Or if you are already metabolically healthy and you just want to, you know, improve your health outcomes long term. So understanding why you want to be an intermittent faster and what your goals are, that's a very important first step. Um, I actually have a new book. I'm going to show it to you right now because I'm so excited. It just came out last week, 28 Day Fast Start Day by Day. Really? 
And okay. yeah, it's a companion to Fast Feast Repeat. So okay. um, you need both of them. This is the one that if you really want me to like walk you through the, the first 28 days, this is the one. But before okay. someone even starts, I have like a quiz in there where you can figure out what is what would be right for you. You know, whether you need to really ease in, whether you're someone who needs to rip off the Band-Aid or whether you're kind of in the middle. So let's imagine you're somebody, you don't need to lose weight. You're not doing intermittent fasting because you want to lose weight. You're doing it because of the health benefits. You know, I like, I like to call it the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. And my husband is one of those people that does intermittent fasting solely for the health benefits. He never needed to lose a pound. He was always, he's like lank, lanky and slim and <laughs> still fit into the pants that he wore when we got married in 1991, right? This many <laughs> years later, you know, never, never had trouble with weight gain. So he does a loose 16-8. And what that means is he fasts for about 16 hours and his eating window is about eight hours. And that's, that's a really nice rhythm for someone who's in it for the health benefits. You know, you might have a little bit of time during mm. the day when you're tapping into a little stored fat right towards the end of your fast. And then you're right back in the fed state when you start eating. Most people accomplish that by like skipping breakfast and then yeah. you just start eating at lunchtime. So, you know, once you get used to it, not on day one, but once your body's adapted and you're used to skipping that breakfast, it's easy peasy. Like I can't imagine having breakfast in the morning. It feels weird to me now <laughs> to think of that. Yeah. Um, it's just not what my body, I mean, I haven't, I, I've had a morning breakfast here and there on a vacation or at a hotel or somewhere special, but it just doesn't, it's not part of my normal routine. On, you know, on the flip side, you know, if there's someone who starting off like I was, when I started, I was 210 pounds, I'm 5'5", five, five, I needed to lose a great deal of fat. You know, 16, 8, while that might be a great beginning place for me easing in, I needed a longer period of the time for fat burning. I had a lot of fuel stored on my body that my body could okay. access when I was fasting and fasting clean, which I can explain in a few minutes. That's really the game changer. But um, you know, for me, a, a 19-5 approach was kind of my weight loss sweet spot. That looks like you know, 19 hours of fasting or so every day and an eating window of about five hours a day. And that gave me time to nourish my body well in that five-hour window, but also to tap into my stored fat for fuel. Because if you're not giving your body time to need to tap into the fat, like if you're putting in enough fuel, your body's not going to burn your stored mm. fuel. So you have mm. to balance out and say, well, I got to give my time, my body time to burn that fat. So fasting is great for that. And we find that based on... Um, some research that I've, I've seen where they get, put people on a 72-hour fast and looked at what was happening with their fat burning. Fat burning ramped up around like hour 18, and it really ramped up from 18 to 24. Now, that doesn't mean everybody okay. needs to fast okay. you know, longer than <laughs> longer than that. Mm -hmm. But every day, you know, that, that period of time from like 18 to 19 hours, that's just a little bit of extra fat burning in there. You know, and, and it, you know that you're you're getting in that fuel that you want to burn. Did that help answer your question? There's not really a it, one size it, fits all. You just have it, to figure it out. Yeah, no, it really did. It really did. And what I was thinking about was, and I'm sure people are wondering, is how did you how did you handle that? Because obviously that's quite a, a big jump from say your husband's from you know sixteen eight to to nineteen five. So what was that like for you when you did that? Were you you know, were you hangry? Were you, were you struggling with? Oh, in the beginning? Um, yeah. Yeah. What was it? Yeah, what did you go through? Cause the people are listening to this going, well, I'd love to do that, but have I got the willpower to do that? You do have it. And again, like I said, you've mm. got, y'all are so lucky because I have been, like I said, doing this since 2014. I've literally read everything and I have led thousands of people. You know, I had Facebook communities for a while. I no longer run mm. Facebook communities. I have a private community now. But like right this minute, I'm leading, you know, thousands of people through a 28-day fast start in my private community. So I've done the hard work for you and figuring out, you know, what you need to do to ease yourself in and what to expect. But back in 2014, I had no idea what I was doing. So um, back in those days, we just pretty much everything you read about fasting of any type pretty much said, oh, fasting works because you're eating fewer calories. And that's the only reason. And it helps you to have a window of time to eat fewer calories. That's what we thought because that's what was pretty much out there. And over time, of course, research has shown and um, 
I've learned from reading lots and lots of science that there's a lot more going on in our bodies than just, you know, we are able to eat fewer calories in our eating window. Um, our bodies are a lot more complicated than just a math formula of calories in, calories out. The actual period of time that we're fasting and that we're fasting clean has benefits. It lowers our insulin levels, which lets us tap into our fat stores more. And um, it also helps us, like I said, burn and tap into those fat stores like we couldn't when we were eating those frequent small meals, all sorts of benefits there. And because we're well fueled from our fat, our metabolisms don't need to slow. But back to, backing up to 2014, when I started, you said, wasn't that hard for me? Yes. Because, you know, I talked about how from 2009 to 2014, I would dabble. I didn't understand the metabolic processes that had to go on for me to be fat adapted and really able to tap into my stored fat for fuel. But just coincidence, luck, I don't know what mm. would have it. Um, the summer of 2014, before I started doing intermittent fasting, the keto diet was really, really popular at that time. Now, I am not a keto dieter. I eat carbs. I actually feel my best if I'm more like a whole food plant-based dish kind of eating. But back in right. 2014, keto was like all over the place. And so I was like, you know what? I can do this. So I did keto for the entire summer of 2014 and I did it perfectly because I was like, I started joining Facebook groups and they taught you how to track your macros. And if you weren't losing weight, just keto harder, you know, more fat. Okay. And anyway, um, I was getting into ketosis. I didn't lose any weight. None. What? I lost no weight. Really? Um, I didn't, I didn't lose any weight on keto. And I also felt terrible the whole time. Now, was I getting into ketosis? Yes. I had a breathalyzer. It was a ketone breathalyzer and it was way back in the day. So you had to plug it in, plug it in, let it charge. Once it was charged, you blew into it and it would show that you were producing ketones in your breath or that they were, you were producing ketones. They were coming out in your breath. So I knew I was producing ketones. Well, now I understand I was making lots of ketones from all the fat I was consuming and oh. none of it was coming from my stored, stored fat. So I was in ketosis mm. all the time, but I was eating a ton of fat. I didn't, didn't lose any fat because I was eating so much fat, but I was sick of it because I didn't feel good. I felt lethargic. I, you know, I, I just, that wasn't right for me. My body um, doesn't handle that much fat well. Mm. Um, so I thought back to, um, you know, what I had read before, things like the carbohydrate addicts diet, and they had, you, you did low carb all day, and then you had a reward meal at the end of the day. That was one of the diets. Okay. It could be anything. It didn't have to be low carb. And I'm like, that sounds a lot better than low carb all the time. I could, you know, just go back to the low carbohydrate addicts diet and my reward meal. And then I'm like, but wait a minute. You know, I also remember fasting and you know, there was a program, um, Dr. Burt Hearing wrote a book about fast five. That was what he called it with the 19 hour fast, five hour window. And I'm like, you know, I could kind of just do that fast all day and then have the reward meal. And let's see how that goes. Well, mm. now I understand why it was so easy to start fasting because I was already fat adapted. I, my body had already made that metabolic switch to burning fat for fuel and so I added carbs back immediately, went to a five-hour eating window, and I didn't stop. I was fat adapted. But here's what was crazy for me at the time. I didn't mm -hmm. understand. Now I do. I had my breath ketone meter, and I can remember one day um, having, like, I fasted all day until, you know, I opened my window in the afternoon, and I had a cheeseburger and fries, <laughs> not a low-carb meal. And then I was like, Later, like I guess it was like the next day, I'm blowing into my ketone meter, and I'm like, "How am I back in ketosis after having a burger and fries?" Because I didn't understand that we go into ketosis when we're fasting, and that's when we're burning our own fat for fuel. So now, of course, we understand it. Once I read Dr. Mark Matson um, had a journal article called "Flipping the Metabolic Switch," where he explains how fasting gets us into ketosis and when that happens and how, then I'm like, well, now it all makes sense. So because I had become fat adapted with keto, even though I didn't lose any weight and I felt terrible, my body was ready to, to be successful with fasting, even though I added all the carbs back. And so I steadily lost the weight till it was all gone. And I've been maintaining it ever since. After I added carbs back in, I never stopped eating them. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so now I eat all the foods. I'm a happy omnivore with a focus on, you know, real foods. Yeah, yeah. As I can, I'm clean-ish. I have a book named Cleanish, so that's how I describe my eating. Yeah, that, I, I, I recognize the title. And just to for for listeners, can you just explain what ketosis is and what a ketone is? Yes, yes. Ketosis is when um, I want you to think of your liver as a storage tank. Now, our liver does a, a zillion things. It is not just a storage yeah. tank, but I want you to think of your liver as a storage tank. Um, holding something called glycogen. Glycogen is not only in your liver, it's also in your muscles, but your liver has glycogen in it. So um, when you're not eating or you know, during the day at any time, your liver can pump out some of that glycogen to keep your, your blood sugar because our blood sugar needs to stay within certain mm -hmm. levels. We know that if it goes too low, that's not good. If it goes too high, that's not good. So our liver can pump out some glycogen as needed. If the liver doesn't have enough glycogen, if you're, if, and you're not eating and there's no fuel coming in, then your body's like, Ooh, we got to fuel the brain. The brain normally runs on glucose. We got to fuel the brain somehow. So the process of ketosis kicks in. Your body takes stored fat and produces ketones. So the fat's fueling your body. Your body is converting the fat mm -hmm. into ketones. That gives you great mental clarity and it's, it's a fuel source for your body. So we're not designed just to only be sugar burners. We're designed to be metabolically flexible. When we're eating, we can run on the foods that are coming in, and then our bodies can switch fuel sources as needed. So that's one of the most important parts of giving your body time to adapt and why it's, it's not always easy day one. Your liver's full of glycogen. You're using that up as you start, the tank starts to get low. Your body is not good at flipping that metabolic switch yet. You have to build up to that. But once that happens, then your body can dip in and out of whatever fuel source is available and, and you're metabolically flexible. Did that help? Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Okay. So um, what's the, you know, you talked about the other health benefits of fastings. I, you know, it's, I don't need to really lose weight, but I am absolutely fascinated right. by the other health benefits, which your husband obviously um, right. is obviously into as well. So what else, what, why is fasting good for us? What else does it do? So many reasons, so many reasons. First of all, fasting has been shown to lower inflammation. And again, just like, you know, mm. everything we need inflammation. If we have an injury or we're, you know, with there's a place for inflammation. It's a, it's part of our body's healing processes, yeah. but we don't want to have excess inflammation. And most people in the modern world are running around in a very inflammatory state. So fasting is anti-inflammatory. So it lowers that state to the level that is healthy instead of that unhealthy high level that we're used to. So that's just one thing. Um, it also is connected with something called autophagy. Now, have you heard of autophagy, Paul? I have heard of autophagy, if I could say it, autophagy. Yes, I have. <laughs> right. Um, but for, for listeners, uh, tell me what it means. I'll explain it. Okay. Autophagy yeah. Yeah. Um, was not a word that people in the modern world had heard. Just normal people walking around had never heard of it. Scientists, I'm sure, heard of it. But in 2016, all that changed. Um, the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2016 was awarded to a Japanese researcher who was studying autophagy and the amazing, you know, how that helps our bodies, how it's, it's basically our bodies, you know, recycling and upcycling system. Mm. And it's the way our bodies clean up the junky mess that's in, going on, you know, when, when no food is coming in. So it's linked to fasting. So while we're fasting, autophagy is upregulated. Now we all have autophagy, whether you're fasting or not fasting, we all have it. But as we get older, autophagy gets downregulated. Our bodies kind of wear out, get tired, can't do as much as they used to could do. But fasting upregulates autophagy. So that is very promising for longevity because, you know, decreased longevity or decreased autophagy is linked to all sorts of problems. Whereas keeping the levels high, that would be something we would want to see for, for increased mm -hmm. longevity and health as we age. So when we are fasting and when we're fasting clean, our body has nothing new coming in, right? So we already talked about how we're using the glycogen from our liver. We're using our stored fat, 
but our body also has to rebuild and repair things. So how's it going to rebuild and repair if nothing new is coming in? And that's also why some people think that when you're fasting, your body's just going to use up all your muscle tissue and like you'll waste away to nothing. Well, I have not wasted away to nothing. My body has not used up all my <laughs> muscle tissue. And that's because when we're going through increased autophagy or we're experiencing that, our body can recycle those old junky proteins, old cell parts, even like scar tissue, weird stuff. So your body is recycling the junky parts and using what's already there and right. making new things out of what's on hand. Just like you would do if your pantry was bare or you only had like a few things stored away, you would make do with what you had. That's what our bodies do. Mm. And it's a really important part of the healing and repair process. And actually, I'm really glad that you mentioned about the, uh, you know, the muscle side of things, because when I was researching intermittent fasting, one of the things I was worried about was, you know, I kept reading that mm. any type of calorie reduction would, would uh, result in muscle mass lost, which is, you know, as I'm an athlete, that that in itself was something I was like, oh, no, what do I do uh, in regards to that? And you're saying that doesn't really happen? Well, let me just give you an example. Do you know Herschel Walker? Do you familiar with him? No, he's a well. I'm um, from the American South, and he was a football okay. player at the University of Georgia, and okay. he um, very successful. Went on. I think he did some kind of martial arts when he was older, but he was like an amazing, successful football player. Well, when um, years ago it came out, there was a video people were circulating. Herschel Walker eats one meal a day. <laughs> And he always what? has since he was a teenager. So, yes, wow. yes. <laughs> it was like okay. anybody could search. It's probably still there. If you go to YouTube and search Herschel Walker, one meal a day. And so early on in my my fasting journey, I was aware that there were people such as Herschel Walker who were muscular and fit. And he was a top oh, okay. athlete. And he naturally was, he didn't call it intermittent fasting. And he actually was kind of apologetic because he was like, I don't know if this is really good for you, but it's what I do. But he's so strong. He's got very, very great, yeah. great muscle mass. But I also very early in my fasting journey, um, before it stuck, I'm talking in the 2009 to 2014 years when I was not a successful faster, there was someone writing about fasting named Brad Pallon, and he was a bodybuilder. And he, he had a program called Eat, Stop, Eat. And he was, I mean, he was like the bodybuilder you would imagine. He was ripped. And so, you know, there are definitely examples of people out there who are fasting and also building huge amounts of muscle. So you can just look at them and think, well, are they outliers? Yeah. Well, luckily I have a fasting community with thousands and thousands yeah. of people. And one thing that we have found almost universally as people lose weight, we call it body recomposition. I mean, I didn't make that term up. It's a real term, but body recomposition is like as you're losing fat, but maintaining or building muscle, you have body recomposition. Now the fat doesn't turn to muscle. No, that's, mm. that's not true. That's not what's happening. Sometimes people will say, oh, your fat turned to muscle. No, <laughs> fat does not turn to muscle, but <laughs> the two processes are happening. You're losing fat and building muscle. And so thanks to body recomposition, we have people in our community who will, um, you know, we've got a lot of diet history, a lot of us, you know, we've, we've had the clothes we've saved for decades, you know, like I still have a pair of shorts that I wore um, in the 1990s, right? I still have those shorts and I can put them on and see how they fit me. And, you know, I have the same waist size now that I had when it was before I had children in the 1990s. Right. This is before I was, you know, struggling and obese. And I'm actually slimmer through the hips and thighs than I was mm -hmm. at that time. But we can, we see people who are, they find that they are smaller at a heavier weight on the scale than in, in the past. Like they might have a pair of jeans that are size six, for example. And they're like, I last mm -hmm. wore these size six jeans, this exact pair of jeans when I weighed, I'm just going to throw out a number, 140 pounds but they fit me today and I weigh 160. How is it possible that my 160 pound body is fitting into these jeans that fit me when I weighed 140? They're the same exact jeans. I saved mm -hmm. them. And that's because they have, they've lost fat and maintained or built muscle. Yeah. So we see that all the time in our community. So, I mean, is that a scientific study? No, that's anecdotal evidence. But you know, when you understand the theories behind fasting clean and tapping into your fat stores for fuel and the fact that your body would not burn your muscle mass if it could get your fat. I mean, 
what would your body rather burn? Your muscle tissue yeah. or fat that it stored there for you to get to? It, 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 it doesn't make any sense. Jason Fung, who um, is also a pioneer in, in introducing the world to intermittent fasting, and um, he has a lot of blog posts, videos, his book, The Obesity Code. He has a great analogy. If it was really cold and the power was out, you needed to start a fire in your house for warmth. Would mm. you chop up your sofa or would you go out to the wood pile and get some wood and burn that? <laughs> Now, if the wood well, pile was iced over and you couldn't get to it, if the if the wood yeah, pile yeah. was if you couldn't get to it, you might have to chop up the sofa so you don't die. That's like low calorie diet, your body burning the muscle mass. The typical low calorie diet, you can't get to your stored fat very well because of the problems with the high insulin and the eating all the time mm. and the, the low calorie diet. But now suddenly we don't have to chop up the sofa. There's the there's the firewood. We can get to it. I think that's a brilliant analogy. I think it, it does. It really sort of puts my mind at rest um, when it comes to what happens with, you know, intermittent fasting. Would it impact muscle mass? Um, and also... Now, can I know, talk about I think, the clean fast and real quick? Can I talk about the yeah, clean yeah, fast? Yeah, that's the difference. I think that's, well, that was one of my next questions because it's something that uh, okay. keeps being mentioned. And it's, I'm wondering what people think about, besides other health benefits, what is clean fasting? What does that look like? Um, because well, again, that, it's, that terminology, it's I actually, I did create the terminology, the clean fast, and it, it came out of yeah. our, our Facebook groups in, um, 20, mm, 2017 is when we started using the term clean fast in my Facebook group. And it was after I read the obesity code and suddenly I understood about insulin and insulin was like the missing piece. And Jason Fung taught us in the obesity code that insulin is anti-lipolytic, meaning anti-fat burning. And when you have high levels of insulin, your body really can't get to your fat stores very well. Because, I mean, it is, it is true that insulin is a storage hormone. So what makes us have high levels of insulin? Well, eating, because our bodies release insulin in response to food coming in, but also Dr. Jason Fung taught me about something called the cephalic phase insulin response. And that is when your brain thinks food is coming in, when, especially when your brain thinks that something sugary or sweet is coming in. And so he explained, for example, like blew my mind. I took a screenshot and I saved it that day when I was reading his book. He explained that stevia, for example, which is zero calories. And we're like, yeah, you can have zero calories or it's, it, when you're trapped in the calories in, calories out mindset, yeah, yeah. stevia, according to Jason Fung in the obesity code, stevia raised insulin levels higher than table sugar. What? So somebody's going, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> somebody's going along. It's in the obesity code. Somebody's going along and they are drinking, like I was drinking Zevia soda at that time, zero calorie sweetened with stevia. I was putting stevia in my, in my coffee every day. Mm. And so would I have been better off to put in table sugar? I, I don't know, but let's, let's understand what the cephalic phase insulin response is. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's really interesting. They did some studies with rodents and I can't remember if it was rats or mice. I'm just going to say rats. So whatever, whichever <laughs> it was, we'll just say rats. So they, they took the little rats and they painted their oral cavity with an artificial sweetener, zero calorie artificial sweetener. And then those little rat brains were like, ooh, something sweet's coming in. Their little rat pancreas pumped out some insulin just in response to the taste of that sweetness. Zero calories, taste of the sweetness, cephalic phase insulin response, cephalic is brain. Wow. So they went on with the experiment. This is where it gets wild. They cut the nerve from the tongue to the brain on these poor little rats. And um, they repeated the experiment, no insulin response. The rats no longer could taste the sweetness. So there was no insulin response. Mm. So as soon as I read that, I was like, well, okay, <laughs> I understand now. You know, having that cephalic phase insulin response, dr drinking a diet soda all day mm. or putting artificial sweeteners in my coffee or drinking fruit flavor herbal tea and my brain thinks fruit is coming in. Because why do we need insulin in response to something sweet? Let's think about what insulin does. If I were to go eat an apple, my brain's like, oh, fruit, sweet. 
as your body breaks down that apple, glucose is going to be released. And so Mm. to prepare for the increase in glucose that's coming in from that sweet thing you ate, the pancreas needs to release more insulin in response to that. It's getting ready. But when you're having a zero calorie diet soda, your brain doesn't understand. Your brain just connects sweetness to glucose is coming in. So we hadn't caught up to (laughs) biologically to zero calorie sweeteners. The brain doesn't understand that at all. And so you might hear things and it's really funny whenever you do. People will be like, this is the one sweetener that doesn't raise insulin. And I'm like, how would your brain know that that's that one sweetener is not? (laughs) (laughs) So I, I would not go with any of that. You avoid sweetness while you're fasting. Mm -hmm. So that is a very important part of, of the clean fats. We want to keep insulin low. That's Mm -hmm. fasting goal. Number one, fasting goal two is we want to tap into our stored fat for fuel. Remember the story that I told about how I was doing keto yeah. all that, those months in the summer and I lost zero pounds? I was burning fat, all the fat that I was taking in. So what we don't want to do is take in fat or any other fuel source during the fast. So you don't want to put butter in your coffee or oil in your coffee or any of that because would you rather burn the fat from your coffee cup or the fat that's stored on your body? I know oh, I the answer for about me. MC- yeah. I was going to ask you about MCT yeah. oil. You're saying no. No. I mean, think about it. Would you rather burn Damn the it. MCT oil from your coffee cup <laughs> yeah. or the oil from your body? And, you know, there's yeah. there's some you know people saying, well, hey, the MCT oil raises your metabolism. But do you really think it's mm. going to raise your metabolism to the point that it's, it's higher than the amount of the oil you just took in? Because oil is very calorically dense. And your body is going to create lots of ketones from that MCT oil. But our goal is not just to have ketones. Our, our goal is to create them from the stored fat. It's the process that our body has to go okay. through. So if you're taking on lots of oil, your body does not need to store, to burn your stored fat. Sure, you might have great mental clarity, but it's coming mm. from the oil in your cup, not from fat burning in your body, right? my coffee in the morning, first thing. <laughs> take it out. Take it out, Paul. And you might, you might notice a transition. Like, listen, you might notice mm. that you feel a little mentally foggy for a few days if you're used to that. Mm. Your body's got to make that transition. I'm not going to say our bodies are lazy because that sounds bad. But instead, I'll say our bodies are efficient. And your body is not going to flip the metabolic switch to burning your own fat if it doesn't have to. Uh, no, I get it. Uh, I'm I'm glad yeah. I I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. Um, so uh, but clean the third fasting. Thing, I, I, I got yeah. so excited about that. There's one yeah. more thing. The third fasting goal is to have that increased autophagy that I was talking about. So we avoid yeah. all sources of protein during the fast. So you want to you don't want to have all those you know protein supplements that people think they need to have morning, noon, and night. Save those for your eating window. You don't want to have bone broth because protein stops autophagy. So, you know, you just have to remember what period of the day are you in? If you're in the fasted state, that's not the, the fed state. You want to use your, what your body already has on hand. If yep. you are in the fed state and you're eating, that's when you put in your protein sources. You know, our bodies don't need all the protein like right immediately just before or just after we work out. It has to do with your intake over like that 24-hour period. Okay. Okay, so just to clarify something, so during okay. the during the fasting period, um, mm-hmm. what can you have? You know, is, so good. Question. Are you avoiding? Yeah, so you've got a fasted period, and then you've got your your you know your eating window. Um, so just yes, yeah, so a little bit of clarification between the two. What was it? What can we do? What can we okay. can we do? Okay, so during the fast, we know what we don't want to do. We don't want to have an insulin response. We don't want to take in fat. We don't want to take in protein. What can you have? Well, plain water is always good. I've got mine right here. Plain water. Um, Nothing added for flavor. Because again, the lemon, the lime, the flavor enhancers, all of that, that your brain's going to be like, ooh, fruit's coming in. So you don't want to have anything with those, those fruity or food flavors. Apple cider vinegar, no. Keep that all for your eating window. So plain water, nothing added for flavor. You can also have black coffee. Now people say, well, wait a minute, you just told us to avoid flavor. Well, the difference is coffee has a bitter flavor profile and a bitter flavor profile does not lead to an insulin response. 
So you, nice. the, the bitter flavor profile of black coffee, don't have like flavored mm. coffee. Don't put the sweeteners in it. It just needs to be black coffee. And for anybody who's listening, that's like, all right, I'm out. I got to have my little bit of whatever. <laughs> I promise you. Your taste buds adapt very, very, very quickly. You know, I used to have what I like to, you know, call my hot milkshake. I was a latte girl. I put my sweetener in it. It was a hot milkshake. And now I drink black coffee. And if I can do it, you can. Your taste buds will adapt mm. in one week, maybe two weeks. And so you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. So you'll, you can find people who are like, oh, that little splash of cream doesn't make any difference. Yes, it does. <laughs> that little bit of nut milk. That little bit of nut milk is going to make you starving. It's going to make it hard. If you're only looking at it from calories in, calories out, you will think, surely that can't make a difference. But when you look at it as to what signals it's sending to your body and what you're actually taking in and what you're trying to accomplish in the fasted state, that little tiny drip, drip of whatever you put in there is going to make a difference for, for how you feel. You're going to feel so much mm. better without it. And, you know, you just hold your nose and drink it black until suddenly you no longer have to hold your nose. You're, you're adapted to it. It makes all the difference. In Fast Feast Repeat, I have something called the Clean Fast Challenge. Give it a month. Give yourself one month. Just say, okay, I'm going to do it Jen's way. I'm just going to stick to black coffee plain tea, not herbal tea, but actual tea, mm. black tea, green tea, real tea, nothing added, plain water, plain sparkling water, no flavors. Give it one month. You will not go back. I love that. I love that. And so uh, so that sounds easy-ish. Um, any tips for anyone who's like, what would I do if I'm starving? What if my body is like craving that food? Is there anything that would make <laughs> it a bit easier for anyone? Well, that, that's a great question. You need to figure out, first of all, if you're er in early mm -hmm. days and you're not metabolically flexible, you're easing in. If you're truly mm -hmm. physically hungry in a different kind of way, if you're shaky, nauseous, that sort of thing, that's your body telling you to eat. You're working up to uh, becoming an intermittent mm -hmm. faster in the early days. Once your body is metabolically flexible, you'll you'll really know the, the times between, oh my gosh, I really have to eat versus oh, that's just a little stomach growling. That's just a mechanical action. Yeah. The other kind of hunger is an emotional kind of hunger. And so many of us, um, I've, I've really learned this talking to people on my, my podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories. I am, have not really been an emotional eater, but a lot of people are. It is a very common mm. struggle. I just ate too much because I like to eat. I wasn't, it wasn't emotional reasons. I, I wasn't the one that my mother was like, here, have a cookie, you know, but a lot of us that's how we, we did grow up. A lot of people were raised, if you were having a hard moment, food was what was soothed you. Either your parents gave it to you mm -hmm. when you were a kid, and that's what you started associating it with, or you learned to self-soothe with food. So it, it's one thing about fasting is suddenly, if you've been a, a self-soother, or if you've been someone who turned to food emotionally, you might have to learn to feel your feelings differently. Because, and that's where your meditation can come in, Paul, and, yeah, and having yeah, the yeah. whole mindset of understanding what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because suddenly you realize, like people are like, oh my gosh, I did not realize how when I was having a hard moment, I went and poured another cup of coffee with creamer in it. And I mean, just think about how many, I mean, I know it's not calories in, calories out, but think about how many hundreds and hundreds of calories of creamer and the junk that's in there that people are consuming and they don't even think about that every day because mm. they're emotionally getting that creaminess, that comfort. So suddenly you're drinking black coffee. Where's the comfort? And you have to learn yeah. new ways of dealing with your stress, meditation, tapping, or are you a fan of tapping as well? Yeah, I, I, it's not something that I do, but it's, it's something I trained in a long time ago, but it's not something that I do now. Okay. But I, people do find it very useful it. and very soothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very useful. And then so when a person moves is moving into their their feeding window, um, yeah. you talked about they, they can eat protein then and they can have sweet things then. Is that, but well, they can have anything then. <laughs> yeah, they can have anything. Is that, well, so is, that, is, is it better to here's, eat clean? Here's the thing. Well, okay. Short, short answer. Yes. Real yeah. food is always going to be better for everybody. And, you know, the more research that comes out, you know, whether you're talking to someone who's carnivore or vegan, if they're in the health space and they understand yeah. nutrition, we know that the, you know, if you're a vegan, whole food vegan is better. 
you know, if you're a carnivore, we want to eat high quality meat. So, but omnivores in the middle, you know, those of us who eat all the foods, the higher quality our food, the better. So many of the metabolic issues going on in, in today's world are related to ultra processed foods. And, mm. you know, those are those foods in the boxes and the pouches that wouldn't resemble food that people were eating hundreds of years ago. So real food is always going to be better for your body. Now, that being said, when I started as an intermittent faster, I was standard American diet. I wasn't any kind of clean eater at all. So I ate junk food. I ate fast food. And that was the main thing of what I ate. I was brought up eating those foods. My mother did the drive through She got me TV dinners. I don't know if you called them TV dinners where you were, but I yeah. had, you know, SpaghettiOs in a can. That is what I was <laughs> raised eating. Pot, chicken pot pie that was frozen. And then we didn't even have microwaves. You had to bake it in the oven. So I ate a lot of processed foods. My palate, however, changed over time and it changed naturally. One thing about intermittent fasting is it helped me connect with my body's cues better. So mm. suddenly... I started wanting more vegetables and I really think that black coffee helped open up my palate and, you know, suddenly I could tolerate the bitter flavor profile of vegetables that I, I used to be a picky eater. Now I'm not a picky eater. So I want people to start intermittent fasting right where they are. If you're currently eating the standard American diet, then start intermittent fasting and don't try to also change everything you're eating on day one mm, over time. Pleasure. Yes. You can be mindful, but you want to become established with intermittent fasting before you start changing everything else up. Because if you try to do too much, you know, you crash and burn and it's just not sustainable. Like if you're like, I'm going to do intermittent fasting and I'm going to turn whole food plant-based and I'm going to never eat what sugar again. I mean, that's too much to do at one time. You're not going to be mm -hmm. successful. So over time, your goal is to nourish your body well. And you'll realize like someone will open their window with something they used to love. Like maybe they used to love the McDonald's drive-through and they'll go through the McDonald's drive-through and they'd be like, Ooh, I feel terrible after eating that. And it wasn't even good. And that's where the no. power is because Jen didn't tell you, you can't have McDonald's. Your body said, that's not good. And so you're empowered to choose the foods that are delicious, that make you feel good. And you'll realize those foods that you thought you liked before, suddenly you're not as appealing. It feels magical when it starts to happen. That is something I can relate to. I do remember mm -hmm. through intermittent fasting, suddenly it was like my taste buds changed, but also I just wasn't interested in junk food the way like my mm -hmm. stepson wants it or anything like that. You know, it's I'll, I'll have something different, whereas I would have had the cheeseburger and the, the chips before. Right. Suddenly it was like, well, no, you can have that. I'm going to do something different for myself. And so things you do don't drastically want it. change. <laughs> no, I, I, there's no interest. The first just, time you I don't want it, it is like just... Yeah. Yeah. You just think, <laughs> oh, no, I'm all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> last question, just real quick. I know that we're running over time a little bit, but um, I wanted to ask you, a lot of people who exercise, I, I work out in an exercise community um, and they worry about exercising in the mornings fasted and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, then not having food to recover afterwards. What would you advise for anyone who was exercising in the morning and worried about um, having to wait a few hours for their feeding window? What would you, is, it a, is it a myth? You is do not okay? have to recover. <laughs> it is myth. It is myth. <laughs> no. You do not have okay. to recover right after... Yeah. Yes, that part is a myth. Now, okay. when is the best time to work out? To me, the best time to work out is the time that is convenient when you will stick to it. I feel best doing all of my my exertion and my yeah, I'm not I don't go to the gym, but I do things like jump on a rebounder and you know, do some arm weights kind of thing or maybe yeah. something on the, you know, you exercise video, but I do all that in the fasted state. You know, when we've moved and hauling yeah. hauling boxes up and downstairs, I do all that fasted. Um, and you know, I, I feel great just anecdotally in the community, people share their experiences. And we had someone recently who was like, well, which should I do? And I'm like, I don't know, experiment and see. And she did. And so she found through her personal experiments that she had no difference in her capabilities when she, whether she was fasted or fed, but somebody else might find the opposite to be true. They might find that they get a better workout mm. in the fasted state and they prefer that. Somebody else might find they prefer to do it in the fed state. So it just depends on your goals, your body, what kind of exercise mm -hmm. you're doing. 
make sure you're fat adapted first. You know, during the first 28 days or the, you know, when you're, yep. when you're becoming adapted, that's not the time to draw big conclusions like, Oh, I'm really tired. I must mm-hmm. not be able to work out while fasted. You're not adapted yet. So that makes, that's why you can't, but once you're adapted, you know, you've also got glycogen stored in your muscles. You can get your fuel from that. And when you're fat adapted, there's so much more fuel there than you may be expecting. So experiment and see, get fat adapted first, maybe Mm. take it a little easy while that's going on. And then there's no wrong answer to when you want to work out, but working out fasted is not a bad thing. A lot of people prefer it to, to working out in the fed state. And I'm one of those. Yeah, I'm one of those. I, I can't imagine eating now. I, I actually really don't like it. I feel very heavy. Uh, but I do remember yeah. worrying. This is a few years ago. I remember really worrying right. that I would suddenly crash and burn and I'd have no energy whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, it would be terrible. Uh, and I remember my first ever gym class fasted. Uh, and I was like, oh, I was, I'm actually all right. <laughs> what, what, what was the fuss about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it right. was just a trick of the mind, I felt. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. Jen, it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much. I could I could talk for a couple of hours. There's so many questions I still haven't got through. But but for people who do have questions or thinking this wasn't enough, um, where can they reach <laughs> you? Where can they find you and uh, explore your content even further? Awesome. Well, you know, I showed you my new book that's out, 28 Day Fast yeah. Start Day by Day. This is what you want to start. But you also need Fast Feast Repeat because then this book is a companion for this one. And I'm a teacher. So this one will send you to this one for a little deeper dive. And this has everything you need along the way. Perfect. To find me and connect with me, go to jenstevens.com. Jen is G-I-N, Stevens with a P-H, jenstevens.com. And, um, you can connect with my community. It's a great place to be. And, um, all my podcasts are linked from their intermittent fasting stories, as well as the fast feast repeat intermittent fasting for life podcast. Amazing. It's, it's, it really is. I love your content and I think it's so helpful for anyone who's on a journey to not just lose weight, but to really think about their health in a different way. Um, It really does have an impact on so many different levels. I know we didn't get to really cover that too much today, but I hope people get a taste of what it could do Mm -hmm. for them and what, you know, if they want to level up for 2024, this is a good place to start. This is it. Yeah. This is the last thing you need to do. I love that. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Everyone who's been with me today, um, I'll look forward to connecting with you in the very next episode. 